So friends, I'm uh, continuing our Lenten series on uh, almsgiving, fasting, and prayer. And you know, we were moving along rather smoothly uh, until last week Deacon Justin brought a gigantic donut right into the mix. Threw us off. It makes me not want to return to the concept of fasting. But we're going to get us back on track uh, after the donut incident, which was a great holiday, by the way. Um, So if you remember two weeks ago, um, I talked about fasting just as a a human good, um, that cultivating a spirit of fasting, which means cultivating a spirit in which we don't let anything um, totally consume us. Right, is good just on a human level. Right? And I, I talked about the logic of fasting. The logic of fasting is that too much of a good thing can actually be a bad thing. And that cultivating a spirit of fasting allows us to appreciate more what we have. It allows us to cultivate a spirit of freedom and spontaneity in the present, because we're not always looking o- over our shoulder at what the next best thing is. We talked about how fasting allows us to avoid the excesses of pleasurable goods that can lead to addiction, and that fasting allows us to have a kind of uh, relaxed and balanced life. Today, I want to take those human benefits of fasting and, and place them within their spiritual and theological significance in the scriptures and in the tradition. And I want to do it, obviously, under the rubric of the two greatest commandments, right? for which we should see everything under that rubric. Jesus says love of God and love of neighbor is the center of what we do. And so what ways, in what ways does fasting help us love God more? And in what ways does fasting help us love neighbor more? Love of God first. The first thing we have to say is that the first kind of fasting that we're all called to do is to fast from sin. Hey, I'm spending a lot of time talking about, in Lent, we talk about fasting from morally neutral things, right? Things that, uh, like food and drink and technology, which we call morally neutral, meaning they can be used for good or for bad things, right? And it's making sure none of those morally neutral things sort of take over our life. But we have to remember that the first responsibility of the Christian is to fast from sin. That's primary. Right? You can give up all the chocolate you want, but if you're not fasting from sin, right, then we're not growing in our dis- discipleship with Jesus. I remember uh, two years ago I was uh, talking to some students here, and the, the very controversial topic of whether you can break your fast on Sunday came up. Okay, this is very heated. It's one of the great controversial issues of our time. right? And I was articulating what I thought was a very moderate nuanced position, which is, um, as you probably know, Sundays are not included in the days of the 40 days of Lent. Sundays have always been a day of celebration for the resurrection. Even in the early church, when they were incredibly rigorous with their fasting, they never fasted on Sunday. Um, But on the other hand, like if you're kind of halfway do your fast during the week, it's kind of wimpy to take Sunday off too. You know, like it's like, it's like just another excuse. So I was basically saying, you know, do what you think needs to be done. If you go really hard for the week and think you can can break it on Sunday without, uh, you know, throwing in the towel for the whole Lent, then go ahead and do it, right? There's no perfect answer on this, okay? 
I know that's going to start some family feuds after Mass today. I apologize. But after this talk, a student came up to me and said, Father, that was great to hear. Can I do this on Sunday? Now, this was a sin. Okay? And I, that would be like, you can fill in what you think they asked me. But it would be like the kleptomaniac who gave up theft for Lent and who came to me after hearing that talk and said, can I steal on Sunday? Right? Am I able to steal? No, no, no. No, this only applies to non-sins. Okay, this break on Sunday. Okay, it's fasting. It's when we're fasting from things that are morally neutral so they don't consume us. We might take a break. So the first responsibility, right, is fasting from sin. And all of the great spiritual writers in the Christian tradition say that that is the first element to our growth in the faith, the purgative, uh, the, the purification or purgative dimension of our journey with the Lord, right? That that often is at the beginning. We got to remove the dirt. Uh, before we start to, to, to progress and advance up to the period of illumination, seeing things as Christ sees, uh, and also union with God. And so removing sin uh, is the first thing. Second, the Bible um, often talks about fasting as a kind of repentance. right? So it's very common in the Old Testament. Uh, when they want to repent, they declare a fast. We're going to fast. And then they throw ashes on their head and they wear sackcloth around, right? And one of, one of the ways I see this as a kind of spiritual exchange, it's like saying to God, you know what, God? Because I'm going to take this seriously, this changing thing seriously, reforming my life seriously, I want to show you how serious I am about it. And so I'm going to give up something that I really like. And it's kind of like the spiritual exchange where I'm saying to God, God, I'm going to give up and forfeit and restrain myself from things that I have a tendency to abuse. That maybe in my past, I've actually used these things excessively. And so as a sign of my goodwill that I'm truly trying to get better, I want to give these things up. It's a way of, in the scriptures, actually getting our sins forgiven. And it, I think that's a way of saying that it's a way of repairing within us the damage that those particular things did to us in the past by our overindulgence, it's a way of, 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 of turning that on its head by giving those things up and showing God that we're serious about not overindulging in those things in the future. So in the scriptures, fasting has this sense of forgiveness of sins. Fasting also in the, in the Bible is meant to make a clear distinction between the creator and us as creatures. That God can put certain things off limits. Think of the first fast. I would argue the first fast was in the garden, in which God said to Adam and Eve, you can have any fruit of any tree in the entire world, except for one. Except for one. It was the first fast. You have to fast from the fruit of that tree. Right? It was this, as if God was saying to them, listen, I'm not going to tell you why you can't have that tree. You have to trust that I have your best interest at heart. That there's a good reason. I have a good reason why you can't have that tree. Okay? But of course, they failed that fast. They wanted the fruit of that tree. And so God, throughout the scriptures, 
can set certain things off limits. I was thinking that with Jesus invokes in the gospel today, the, uh, a passage from the Old Testament, he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so will the Son of Man be lifted up. And if you remember at all that passage from Numbers, they're journeying, the Israelites are journeying through the desert, they're, they're bouncing from one encampment to the next, and it says they started getting bitten by snakes. And so God works through Moses to erect a, uh, a bronze snake on a pole that whenever they look at it, uh, they will be uh, healed from their snake bite. But one of the things I pointed out to our Bible study this week is that snakes don't congregate with a bunch of people around. So the only people that were getting bitten were those going outside of the camp. And if you remember, what is God providing every morning in the camp? God's putting manna. This heavenly bread, these heavenly donuts, you might say. God is putting every day enough manna on the ground for everybody to be satisfied in the camp. But they start complaining and they say, we don't like this food, we don't like this manna, we're sick of it. And so they must start going outside for, diff for greener pastures. right? They want better food. And so they leave the camp and they start to get bit. It's only because they didn't respect what the Creator was giving them within their camp that they ended off, ended up getting bitten by the snakes. God, of course, provides a remedy. He doesn't remove the snakes, which is what they pray for. He doesn't remove the snakes. Somebody told me, an, an Irishman after Mass today, but St. Patrick did remove the snakes. I thought, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't put that in. I didn't think about that. Um, but God doesn't remove the snakes, but he provides a remedy uh, for the snake bites. But it's because they didn't respect uh, the Creator. I have to tell you, this is how I see the fasting during Lent. For example, the, the church's prescribed fasting um, as uh, no meat on Friday. Um, is Because, to be honest, the original intent seems to be a little bit lost today. Um, there, there's a lot of debate about what the original intent was, but it seems to have been grounded somewhat in that meat was a real luxury, meat was a real commodity for the rich, like you, you wouldn't have meat unless you had means, and so not eating meat on Fridays was a way of being in solidarity with the poor, right? But of course today, we can get a, a double cheeseburger um, for 99 cents. Right on the on the dollar menu, right now I don't know if that's as good a meat as something else, but um, you know meat is is more ubiquitous now, right? It's it's less of a sign, though we still have remnants of that. Like 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 people without means can't necessarily eat at the chop house, right? We have fancy steakhouses which still maintain a little bit of that sort of remnant, which is still true in certain parts of the world. So that non, that fasting from meat seemed to used to be a kind of solidarity with the poor. And so what I advocate is I, I do the no meat thing. It's at least an inconvenience to me. But I, I try to do more, something that actually puts me on Fridays in solidarity with how the poor are living, something extra, right, that maybe maintains that uh, true intent. But it's respecting uh, that distinction. The other thing I want to encourage is a recovery of the significance of the Eucharistic fast before Mass. Okay, some of you remember when it was more intense, 
right? You had to fast from midnight through the mass you attended. Okay, so no, this, this mass would not be as well attended. Okay, people would definitely have gone to the 9 uh, or the 6 a.m. No one would come to the 6 p.m. on Sunday night for sure because you couldn't, you couldn't eat until you went to Holy Communion. Now, I'm glad it's not that intense, but I do want to suggest that there's something really beautiful. It's not magical. It's not like you eat at 59 minutes before it's like you're going to the bad place or something like that, right? It's not like that. It's just a reminder of the significance of this meal. Like, I don't know about you, but I do that if I know I'm going to have like a really good dinner. Like if I'm going home and my mom's cooking my favorite meal, like I don't snack on Cheetos in the afternoon, right? Because I want to leave as much space in this stomach. There's a growing amount of space in there. I want to leave as much space in this stomach for my mom's favorite meal, right? I prepare for it. The Eucharistic fast is meant to say an hour before Holy Communion, listen, I'm about to receive this heavenly meal, right? and I'm going to prepare my heart and my even my stomach in the sense of preparing uh, for what I'm about to encounter. Finally, with love of God, a, a spirit of fasting makes sure that we don't mistake any created thing for the Creator. So Deacon Justin gave a great homily that there's a hole in our heart that is only satisfiable by the Lord. And we can fill it with all sorts of created things, which are all good. But when, they're, when they encroach upon that part, they can never fully satisfy. Right? And so fasting makes sure that we don't put anything, any created good, any pleasurable good, in the place of the spot that only God can fill. Finally, really quickly, love of neighbor. Uh, these are somewhat simple and self-evident, which is um, cultivating a spirit of fasting allows us to actually have more resources uh, to give to those in need, right? If we're not constantly seeking the next best thing, if we're not constantly living out of a spirit of acquisition and consumption, we have more to offer those who need a generous hand. I know that when I, personally, when I give up certain things that I spend money on um, for Lent or for whatever reason, I'm trying to make sure I'm not hooked on them, I, I do have more resources to be able to give to people and to organizations uh, that I find are helping those uh, in need. So fasting just on a, a financial side often allows us more resources to help others, but also in terms of our presence with others. Like when we're not constantly consumed with other things that are the organizing principle of our life, we have more time to devote to the person in front of us. Because like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm tempted to see other people as a disruption or an interruption or a distraction from all the things that I need to get done, right? All the desires I need to fulfill, right? Instead, cultivating a spirit of fasting allows us to be present and to, in a sense, lose track of time with, with the person uh, that's in front of us. And so, friends, I, I really like the image that uh, Deacon Justin gave us last week, that Jesus came into the temple to clear out the space, the hole, uh, that is only meant for love of God and love of God through our neighbor. And that we let all sorts of things sort of clutter and congest in that hole. And all sorts of things, good as they can be, encroach upon that hole that was meant uh, for God. Fasting and cultivating a spirit of fasting 
is meant to make sure that we declutter, decongest, don't let other things encroach upon that space that is meant for love of God and love of God.